Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. The Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully till she finds it? When she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I've found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and rang and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound your father has killed the fatted calf he was angry and would not go in therefore his father came out and pleaded with him so he answered and said to his father lo these many years i've been serving you i never transgressed your commandment at any time yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right 
that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found Amen May the Lord bless his who are to us this morning We'll sing again 222 is our hymn 222 How sweetly flowed the gospel's sound from lips of gentleness and grace when listening thousands gathered round in joy and reverence filled the place. Two, two, two. phrase many a true word spoken in jest uh, well I'd like to modify that a bit and say uh, many a true word spoken in terms of contempt and derision uh, 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 and uh, this is the irony isn't it that some of the expressions we love most about the Lord Jesus were found first in the lips of his enemies those who were hostile to him on one occasion, they're comparing um, Jesus with John the Baptist. John the Baptist out there in the desert, living on locusts and wild honey, foraging for himself. And here's, here is the, 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 the Lord Jesus, this so-called prophet. Uh, and he's mixing with sinners, and he's eating with them. And he's a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. Is that not the most wonderful thing you ever heard? that Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. And then there's a the well-known story isn't it, about little Zacchaeus climbing into a tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus stopped there at the foot of the tree and looked up, Zacchaeus, you come down. And uh, Zacchaeus' life, whole life changed from that moment. Uh, 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 and Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house. And they said, look at him. Scribes the fact, look at him. He's going to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. 
Jesus Christ, the beloved guest, taking up residence in your heart and life, if you're one of his children, isn't that very special? And you've got the same thing here in this very familiar chapter with these well-known stories where we read all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, that is Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I ask myself the question from time to time, what, what is it? What is it in the heart of men in Jesus' time that aroused such um, contempt for him, which, which is going to lead before very long into outright hatred, and they're going to be screaming out, crucifying him. What is it that drives them like that? What is there about him? Why are they so angry with him? What has he done? I mean, after all, uh, he's an unknown preacher from the backwoods, suddenly appears on the scene, uh, he carries no sword, uh, he's not raising an army, he's no threat to uh, the regular uh, affairs of, of, of the land. He goes into their places of worship and just explains their scriptures to uh, it, 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 it heals very sick people. What is there in that to make people so very, very angry? And yet that was, of course, the case throughout those three years of his earthly ministry. And that follows on, doesn't it? Why, why, why does our world get so angry with Christians? What is there about us Believers in the Lord Jesus that seem to arouse these feelings of contempt at best and hatred and hostility at worst. Yet it's always been like that. Uh, and Jesus warned us and prepared us for that. He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. And they have done ever since. <laughs> um, in my professional life, before... I went into the ministry. Uh, I, I trained as a scientist. Um, but I was growing up with the Bible and with the Gospel. And I've always believed, without any question, that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. I never doubted that. Now, of course, you know, when you're trained in a scientific environment, you come under, under a degree of pressure at that point, as you may well know. <laughs> Uh, and, and sometimes it, it, does, it just makes people so cross with you. Dear old Professor Dawkins, um, he says it's absolutely clear to say that if you meet somebody who claims not to believe to ev in evolution, then that person is ignorant, stupid or insane or wicked and I think to myself well, why why is Professor Dawkins taken against me like that because I'm proud to bear that badge uh, and I trust those of you who believe the Bible will also wear that honour to be considered such an enemy 
of our world that people speak to you like that. But, but that's, that's the way it's been. And it, it, is a, it is a great mystery, isn't it? Because, you know, see, you, even if... Even if, if, if you, you know, say, well, these Christians, you know, they're believing, you know, fairy tales and legends and so on, you know, and, uh, uh, but, you know, they're, they're a bunch of cranks, really, you know. You can put it down to that, you know. Well, they happen to believe this nonsense, fair enough. Why not let them get on with it? Why, why get angry with them? There's a society, would you believe, called the Flat Earth Society. There are people today who believe that the Earth is flat. And they write articles about it, uh, and, uh, and uh, they have meetings, and, and so on and so forth. Nobody gets cross with them, do they? They just say, well, poor fools, you know. They wanted to. But it's not like that for Christians, is it? It never has been, and it will never change until the Lord comes. And yet there's a strange comfort in that, isn't there? I, I think there's a strange comfort in that. Because it's says to me it's got to be real Amen. it authenticates what we believe that it causes that sort of reaction on the part of people because there's something in them that reacts against it and that's why they get like they do so we can find some assurance in that the very opposition itself underlines the truth we profess to believe well, uh, that, that's my way of introduction, really. I want us to come to uh, the first couple of verses here. Luke chapter 15. Very familiar. Um, three lovely stories about a lost sheep, uh, about a, a lost coin, and about a lost boy. And they're very familiar to us. But the introduction to it is, as I said, the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. So my first question, or my first point, if you like, is this. Just that in itself uh, is all the encouragement you and I need to draw near to the Saviour, to come to the Saviour. They drew near to him. Now, how can they do that? How can they draw near to the Lord? Well, the answer is very simple. (laughs) He was there. He was there in their midst. So they were able then to gather together, gather around him, listen to what he says and observe with wonder the things that he does. They can come to him because he has come to them. That's the great theme of the gospel, isn't it? Uh, that... that um, he, he came, he said himself, he came, he came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, you just in that little verb, came, there's such an incredible and profound and wonderful thing, isn't there? Because who is this we're talking about? We're talking about the eternal Son of God. We're talking about the one through whom the worlds were made. We're talking about the one who is surrounded by the angelic host in his glory, which is his by right, who has become man and 
And here's this little speck of rock in this vast universe that we call planet Earth. And this is where God came to our world. He comes as the Son of God, but He comes truly human in every respect. And He was here, and they can come to Him because He is there. And it's in His name. Jesus, saviour of sinners. John the Baptist looks down the road, sees this figure coming towards him, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Paul says, it's a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Because he came that they were able to come to him. That's, they were able to draw near to him. Ah, yeah, but then you say, well, that was then, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, that was 2,000 years ago or so, and he was there, physically there, and they could see him, uh, and they could, they, they could hear him, uh, and they, they could even touch him, or he would touch them. Uh, and if only it was like that, it would be so much easier for me if it was like that today. If he was actually physically in front of us here, uh, and, and then he would speak, and you wouldn't want to listen to me anymore, would you? Uh, and you could actually hear him with the ears on the side of your head, and you think that would be so much easier. I, I think that there's, that, there's, a, there's a song that, that, they, they, that sometimes sing, I've heard it sung, where, where it's a prayer really open our eyes Lord we want to see Jesus to reach out and touch him and tell him we love him and, and you, you, there's a wistful longing there isn't there if only his physical presence was here it was easy for them uh, but you know it's not like that for me today I think we can begin to think like maybe some of you would have that thought in the back of your minds this morning. If only I was there then, it would be so much easier to come to him. I want to say, you can come to him. <laughs> I, I, want to, I, I want to press this. You can come to him because he invites you to come. Uh, those of you who remember my dad could imagine him doing this. <laughs> uh, it was a Sunday evening. I think I was about seven or eight at the time. I, I don't know exactly. There I was in the back row, um, Sunday evening. And, and um, I, I wasn't messing about, as far as I understood it. I, I wasn't paying any attention, that's for sure. But I wasn't messing about particularly. I had been told off from the pulpit once or twice. I could... <laughs> that's the great peril of being the son of the manse. But this, no, this wasn't I, wasn't, I wasn't fooling about. And suddenly a voice from the pulpit, John, come here. And there I was. And, and, and trembling, I made my way down, down the church to where he was and stood in front of the pulpit and he looked down at me and he said, John, why did you come? What was I going to answer to that? I said, Dad, you asked me to come. Yeah, that's the point he was trying to make. You can go back. Sit down. 
And so he made his point to the congregation. He was just saying the same as I'm saying. You can come. That's for absolutely sure. Because he invites you to come. You can come. You can join this crowd around him. You can draw near to him. You can hear him speak. Speak into your heart. Of course, I mean, it's an activity. I mean, the verb is an active verb. Isn't it? All all the verbs that concern themselves with the gospel are active, doing things. And and we square that up, don't we, with the other truth the Bible teaches clearly that it's God who does everything. So sometimes we can get confused there and you think, well, how can I do anything because it's God who does everything. But the two truths are there in the scriptures. You can't escape either of them. Divine sovereignty, yes. Human responsibility, yes. The two things run side by side. So it's an activity. But it's not a physical activity any longer, (laughs) as it was for them. If it was, then, well, you really ought not to be sat here. You ought to be getting down the travel agents and booking a, a flight somewhere to wherever Jesus happened to be physically. But you don't have to do that. Because where you are, where you are now in your heart, no physical effort required. So in a way it's easier, isn't it? (laughs) Than it was for them. And you can come and you can draw near because this man receives sinners. And that's the second thing then, isn't it? The company he desires. (laughs) And this is, of course, what got under the skin of the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders because um, in their eyes that was not what made a man of God mixing with the riffraff like this. The outcasts. The the prostitutes. the, The unclean. The very dregs of society, because their society, we have to understand this uh, when we read the Gospels, their, their society was a highly stratified society. And there at the top were the religious leaders. Uh, and they, they demanded, commanded respect from the rest of the population. And to make sure they did that, they even prayed in the open air ostentatiously. <laughs> So everybody could see how holy they were. And they were at the very top. And then society divided out into different ways. In a way, our society does exactly the same. And they're at the very bottom. The riffraff. And these are the ones Jesus went to. These are the ones Jesus longed to be with. And the tax collectors, I mean... (laughs) they were the most hated of all I'm sure you will know about this but you see they were collaborators I mean they were an occupied country Uh, you can imagine that wasn't an easy situation for the Jews to live in Uh, and here were these hated Romans who who ran the show uh, and they got their servants collecting taxes on their behalf 
and, and so they had to live with constant hostility from the population and so in order to somehow cope with it they very often robbed the people we know all about that Zacchaeus was one wasn't he uh, and, and, and so there they were lumped in and that, you've got that there the tax collectors and this all lumped in together as the very people that the religious leaders despised above all and the very people Jesus sought their company I picked up a, 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 a new commentary on um, Luke's Gospel a couple of months ago and there's a lovely little story in there about a young woman called Edith I don't know if there's anybody here called Edith but uh, this young woman was called Edith and, and she had no spiritual inclinations whatsoever really but, but nevertheless uh, her, her life seemed to be to her empty there, there was a sense of dissatisfaction about life and some on a whim really one Sunday evening she decided to make her way down to the little chapel down the road uh, and she went in and she sat down it was an unfamiliar environment to her but she sat down and, uh, and the preacher was reading this very chapter <laughs> but he was reading it in the old version the authorised version this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And she misheard it. <laughs> this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. <laughs> and and she, she looked around and she thought, this, this man has mentioned my name. And he's classed me in with the sinners. But then you say this man receives sinners and she was saved. <laughs> Lovely story, isn't it? Do you know, it would be the best thing if you were prepared to class yourself in with that category. I, I know it goes against the grain somewhat because we're respectable folks, aren't we? You know, and so... You know, we, 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 we're um, socially responsible and we pay our taxes uh, and uh, we, we raise our families and do the best by them. Uh, and we would, we would separate ourselves, wouldn't we, from those that we see outright as the criminal elements in our society or, or, or those who blatantly... Um, are against our society and we wouldn't, we wouldn't normally put ourselves in that group would we so, so there has to be um, some change of mind at this point is it because actually the great truth is Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and Paul himself this highly respectable highly educated very religious man of whom I am the chief I'm the worst of them so if you could do that if you could do that then you're guaranteed mercy aren't you you're guaranteed a welcome if you're prepared to acknowledge uh, if you do away with you know with, with the self-respect and the self-righteousness that I'm afraid we're all guilty of in one way or another cast that all away and recognise that for a holy God 
We are sinners in God's sight. And this man receives sinners. And that's really all that we need to know. And you get it, don't you, in the stories, don't you? Um, that, you know, that which was lost and now is found. Particularly in the case of the lost son. He was dead, now he's alive again. He was lost, he was found. Willing to, out there in the fields, scrabbling around for something to eat amongst the pig's food. I'm a sinner. No, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you, Father. And he was welcomed <laughs> because this man receives sinners. And then, then finally, that the relationship that he promises. Because this man receives sinners and eats with them. It's not... I, it's just as a mundane thing, isn't it? I mean, we have to eat. But, but uh, you know, God in his mercy has made eating a very pleasurable activity, hasn't he? Um, and, and, and so, um, you, you know, just, just being together in that sort of environment and eating together. I mean, that, that, that's, that's actually what horrified the scribes and Pharisees, that Jesus eats with these people. He desires their company. And in the most intimate fashion. Because that's, that's what the activity of eating together very often means, doesn't it? I, here's a young man, and he's, he's taken the love of his life out on a date, and he, and he, he takes her to a rest, <laughs> restaurant... <laughs> There they are, sat in the corner of the restaurant, and the lights are low, and, uh, and, uh, and they're just gazing into one another's eyes, and the menus are there, but they're not, they're not bothered with them just at the moment. It's just the feeling of intimacy, isn't it? Or just your family occasion. When, when you eat your lunch this, this, today, gathered around as a family, it's special, isn't it? It's warm, it, it's comfortable, it's relaxing, everybody's at ease. And that's what Jesus loves. That, that's what he wants to do. Uh, and that, you know, that, that's what Zacchaeus found. Did it? I want to come to your house tonight and be with you. It's what Mary and Martha and Lazarus found in their little home in Bethany. Just Jesus being there, sharing with them around the table, the meal table. It's... It's, it's, it's an amazing thought, isn't it, really? You get it also with the communion service. With fervent desire, Jesus said, I have desired to eat this meal with you. It's what I want more than anything else. To be with you and to share with you. The Lord Jesus wants your company. Can you, can you get your head around that? This awesome being whom the angels worship and he wants your company. And that's just what he promises. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, open the door, I will come in and he will, I will dine with him and he with me. Isn't it just wonderful how the gospel is couched in this context, a, a, a feast of good things. 
the banquet table spread. Go out and compel them to come in. Everything is ready. And, 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 and a picture of heaven itself. Blessed are those invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I just love that thought. This endless celebration, this endless enjoyment of one another's company. And there in its midst is the Lord Jesus. Because he wants you to be with him. This man receives sinners. <laughs> You'll allow me some overstatement this morning. Typical preacher's hyperbole, isn't it? But um, I, I think that, that phrase, this man receives sinners, should be written across every wall. <laughs> should be written across the front of this pulpit. Should be written across the front of the communion table. This man receives sinners and, and eats with them. It, it, it it's, should be on the floor of every baptistry. <laughs> um, it's the message that should resound throughout the world today. It's the message that resounds here in this little chapel this morning. This Jesus Christ. This glorious Son of God, He welcomes sinners. It's written on the throne of grace. It, it, it's what will be the occasion of rejoicing in heaven over repenting sinners. So, my friends, hear it again. <laughs> it's not new stuff, is it? Hear it again. Come. Just come. Um, you're a believer. Many of you. Praise God for you. You came when you were conscious of your sinfulness and you needed a Savior. So you came to him in faith and in penitence. And he welcomed you in me. So you did that then. How X number of years ago... You stop doing it then? What? No more sins to be forgiven? No, no more doubts and fears taking hold of you? Why do we stop coming to him? Just in the same way as we came then when we first came to faith. Come and come and come again because this man receives sinners. And if you've never come... And it's not given to me to know where it is with you this morning. But if you've never come, why not come now? You know there'll never be a better time. There won't. Come now. Come humbly, penitently, acknowledging your need of him. And you come in this glorious and wonderful assurance, this man receives sinners like you and embraces you and brings you into his company and you belong to him and one day you'll spend eternity with him so draw near come and come again and again and again Amen <laughs>